Hey, I'm Marina. And I'm Emily. And I've seen everything in the Sex and the City Empire 10,000 times. And I'm starting fresh. So I'll be woman-splaining the show. And I'm along for the ride. But there's a twist. We are starting with and just like that and working our way back to the beginning. So in other words, we're watching it backwards and in high heels. This is City and the Sex. Hey there, it's And Just Like That, Season 1, Episode 8. Is, is it? <laughs> and then you asked it like I a don't question. Know. How many? I don't know. Is it 10? 11? 10. Wow. Wow, Marina. 10. We're down to the final three, baby. Plus the documentary. Oh, right. That's right. But fun fact for our little viewers, our pilot episode if you will of this podcast was the documentary mm-hmm. and um, we will only release that when we become successful enough for a patreon so <laughs> if you want to hear that you gotta cough up some cash and, uh, and then you can tell people us. listeners subscribers get those ratings reviews etc up and then we'll be like okay we'll make a patreon and then you can pay us to listen to us talk about this not so documentary yes and that's it because that will be the end of our creative ideas for our Patreon. <laughs> we have nothing left to give. <laughs> and then after that, we have nothing left to give. Um, and I'm not making crafts for you. Sorry. I love <laughs> you. I respect you, but I'm not if making you stickers. Marina, yeah. If you expect Marina to be making crafts, you have not been listening to this podcast. You don't know us. You don't know us, fam. You, you don't know a thing about me. And you never did. Get Emily, what was your one word for this this episode right here? My one word for this is hyphenated, out okay. of towner, because it is a a word that someone uses in, as an insult in this episode, and it's so funny and so baffling and goes by so fast. And then I just had to make it my word for this episode because it was just it stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> Yikes. I know that we're recording this for whatever whatever it is you do with our social cuts. And I realize that I'm I'm drinking Snapple on on this recording and it looks like theater whiskey. You know what I mean? Like it does look like theater whiskey. It's like usually like Snapple with like a little something else in it to affect the color and now I'm yeah. You're giving um long days night whatever that like Edward Albee play is about the alcoholic mother. Oh, you mean every single play in American yeah, like theater? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly the play I'm referencing. You're giving that. Yeah. And I'm giving middle school girl with entitlement with my Stanley. So we're, we're off to the races. I know this is a hell of a pairing we've got here. It's the, the alcoholic it's, it's, well, I'm not actually the alcoholic woman in the Edward Albee play. I'm the college theater student playing the alcoholic mother in this Edward Albee play. Do you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. That Yes. And you're God, the middle a- schooler who is like doing, watching this for credit. Yeah. And I think I like already went to Yale. Yeah. <laughs> Basically already at Yale. I'm like, I saw the word in a book. I know what I'm talking about. Um, my one word for this episode is just going to be, um, what? 
Okay. <laughs> Just right. a lot of what choices. Okay. Yeah. You know, we talked about drama and so you started on this rant of mine, which is I had a teacher once in drama school say art is choice. Hmm. <clears throat> and he was trying to make the point that even if you make a bad choice, you're making a choice as opposed to sitting on the fence because art that sits on a fence is useless. Mm -hmm. I think this episode proves to us if you make a choice and it is so bad that it's so bad that it's arguably maybe worse than just sitting on the fence. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I love this thesis. Going to stick it to him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so take that theater professor who will not be named. That. Okay. This is, and just like that, season one, episode eight, it's called Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, which could have been our one words also for this whole episode. That's a good one. That's basically what you were getting at with the, uh-huh, so. What? what? Yeah, that's exactly I just what totally forgot at. that was the name of this episode. I don't know why that's the name of this episode, but all right, here we go. It's the name of a very good episode in Buffy. So this is going to be the second time in this podcast I just tell people to watch Buffy instead. Yeah, you know it's not going to be that good. I know. <laughs> I keep waiting for this show to become Buffy. <laughs> it just never gets there. You're the real niche audience member that's like, when does this become Buffy? Yeah. <laughs> right. I feel like it's going to be Buffy any minute. Right? This is the ep No? We're still not no. at Buffy? Mm. Okay. And everyone around you is being like, when does it get good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the Buffy part. How about right. when it becomes quality television? <laughs> exactly. So we will start this episode as we always do with our most innocent character, which is Charlotte. Charlotte and Harry, we start with them at home. Uh, in the bathroom, and Charlotte's trying to get him to be healthy, which is hilarious after he forced himself into their doubles tennis. Right. And now she's like, you need to wear this fitness ring. And he's like, what? And I'm like, the whiplash. My neck will never recover. Again, this show is really good at gaslighting. Like, we are fully <laughs> back in. So much of this episode is going to be gaslighting you for the one before. Like, we're back in it, baby. This is, like, oh, classic yeah. and just like that. Not only is it classic and just like that, but it should be studied in psychology school of like, yeah, this is what gaslighting looks like. And these are some strategies you could employ to bounce back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I would, I'd love to take this class anyway. I, I mean, we're going to be teaching it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We lived it. NYU, we're calling. You know, it's hard when your phone is only getting outbound, no inbound. It's rough. It's a, that's a tough time in your life. Tough time. Tough time every day. <laughs> uh, we get to Harry and Charlotte. They're in the bathroom, and she's trying to get him to be healthy, so she buys him this fitness ring. And they have this really cute interaction, I would say, where he's like, if you're going to give me a ring, you got to give it to me right. And so she gets down on one knee and is like, Harry, will you take this fitness ring? And then he's like, I forget exactly how he alludes to while you, I think he says like while, while you're, you're down, down there. there. Yeah. And I don't know. It's cute. Again, it's cute. Once again, Charlotte and Harry, I feel like are consistently the couple on this show that have moments that actually feel like a couple. 
And I'm yes. like, oh, yeah, there. See, you know how to write a couple. Like, it, I know you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, yeah. it makes me happy and then makes me mad at the rest of it because I'm like, they actually interact and flirt with each other like a couple should. And nobody else on the show, everyone else on the show is an alien. So, yeah. Anyway. Then it's ruined by a big ginormous dildo that they shove into his pants because basically in the next interaction, what happens is she starts to kind of go down on him. And as he kind of unzips his pants, you hear Lily coming to the bathroom being like, mom. And so she spins around and slams the door right in Lily's face. And Harry quickly zips up a huge dong. I don't know if you saw it. I did not. It well, that big. rewind the fucking tape because it's like it's like a they just went to a sex shop and just bought the super long penis and then shoved it in his pants it's like it's like inhumanly long you're like now i get why they're such a loving couple i didn't even notice that that's really funny i didn't notice it the first time either this time i was like paying attention and i was like it is comically large <laughs> it's really funny um so then Charlotte gets up and kind of goes to comfort Lily. Lily's like, you slammed the door in my face. And then she's like, I'm sorry. And then she's like, I was just checking daddy's penis for cancer, which is the best save. I know. No notes. I really, I had nothing. It's perfect. That's <laughs> it's like one you store. Save. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you store for like the bank later. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking notes. I'm taking. Listen, that stage me like an apartment, and this are the only two good moments in this whole yeah. damn season. So mm-hmm. 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 then we get to a group scene that we'll touch on several times because um, each character kind of has something that they're going through. But it's a Charlotte, Carrie, Miranda group scene. In the scene, first of all, it starts with this unfunny joke from Miranda that gets more grating every time they say it. Yeah. Because it, it Charlotte didn't start funny and it gets progressively worse every time. It gets progressively more and more annoying, which is that basically Charlotte's like, you guys have problems. Well, my daughter saw me blowing Harry. <laughs> and then Carrie and Miranda are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And if the show was actually paying attention to itself, mm-hmm. there's a very funny episode that we will get to one day in our long journey where um, we learn that Charlotte actually doesn't go down on guys. And it's a whole plot point that she does not perform oh. oral sex on men. And if the show were smart, they would bring that up as a callback. But they don't. Instead, they do what is like honestly a thing that I feel somewhat was I I feel it's a little anti-feminist in a way I gotta be honest which is that basically Carrie and Miranda are like whoa 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 you still blow Harry is what Miranda says and then Carrie's like is it his birthday okay just makes me sad yeah tells me what their sex life is like yes correct a read on them you know that era of comedy like 90s sitcoms and stuff where it's like marriage is kind of seen as like this like is a very funny thing, but in like a sad way of like, yeah. oh, how like sex is so bad. And my wife is droopy boobs and 
my husband can't get it up, like that kind of family of humor. It felt like it was coming from there of like, you blow him? Like, why? And then to keep hitting that over and over <laughs> again about like, wait, I still can't get over the fact that you blow him. And it is, to your point, an indictment of like, do you guys not have fun anymore? And I don't really understand what the implication is. Yeah, it feels like they are shaming her. Yeah. yeah. Because the joke is not funny it comes across as though they are like slut shaming her for yeah. blowing her own husband in a way that's like, why would you do that disgusting act? Yes, exactly. And there's, it's like, it's only funny if Charlotte like wouldn't enjoy it too. Do you know what I mean? And so it feels like they're making fun of it for her enjoying it. I think slut shaming is exactly what it is. Thank you for like yeah. putting what I was trying to explain in like a succinct way. Because isn't she supposed to be the like, Kind of a prude, kind of can't handle this sort of thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's why... I feel like that's why they make a big deal is because, like, oh, she's a prude. Like, there's something here that could be good because she is the prude and because she has this episode that we all know about. But there's something that's just, like, whoa, 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 what? And then she could own it and be like, yep. That's just me. And then they're like, wow, like if Charlotte's making these changes, I got to rethink. Like, I feel like it could have done something like that Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to the fact that they just continue to beat. Miranda says, you still blow Harry like that four times. And it is unfunny and so annoying, especially given the fact that like she didn't even try to save her sex life with her husband that we saw or heard about. Get her. And so she's like coming after Charlotte for still blowing her husband, which like, yeah, exactly. If she enjoys it, like, what's the problem? It it makes me every time that scene is one of the most cringy scenes for me of the whole thing, because yeah. every time I see it, I'm just like, exactly like you said, what are they trying to say here? Yeah. Because whatever they're trying to say is any doesn't make anyone feel good. Yeah. Any explanation I can come up with is not good. Right. Charlotte, you know, decides with the girls, you know, because they're they're like, well, you kind of got out of it. And she's like, but, you know, I when I was growing up, like I wished my mother talked to me about sex and that like sex was a positive thing. And I feel like I missed this opportunity by, you know, saying it's cancer and lying. And I feel like, you know, I should have maybe a grown up chat with Lily um, to talk about, you know, what happened. So. She makes a lunch with Lily. You know, she tries to bring up the conversation where she's like, what happened with daddy the other day? And Lily's like, I have to get a straw. And then there's a classic, like, Michael Patrick King hates young people moment because Charlotte's like, oh, we can ask the waiter for one. And she's like, no, that's rude. And Charlotte's like, that's what they do. Yeah. What? (laughs) What? We have so much to get through. I'm just going to let that one go. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, Lily runs off but leaves her phone at the table. And so her phone kind of goes like bloop, bloop. And Charlotte opens the phone and she finds that Lily has posted a sort of a diet thirst trap is what I would call it. Mm -hmm. It's like an exploratory thirst trap of her in fitness clothes, just kind of like flexing in the mirror um, Mm -hmm. in a a minorly suggestive way. So when Lily comes back to the table, Charlotte's like, what's this? Like, you have a Finsta you haven't even told me about. This was something that was actually crazy for me because Lily's just like, whatever, and walks away. Yeah, another crazy. And I was like, yeah, which is crazy. But I was like, also, like, what a New York thing. 
Because hmm. like normally well, you, you can't, can't walk away. Interesting. Because you Cause can't. Your mom yeah. Because you're you gonna go you. walk and sit in the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas in New York, I was like, that is. I mean, I don't have to tell you, right? But like raising kids in the city is already such a interesting thing for me at least to think about coming from the suburbs but I didn't even think about that that you could be in a fight with your daughter and she could just go whatever and then walk <laughs> off and then just take the subway to god knows where yeah. she'd be like middle fingers bye you're like what yeah, I don't even have the control to be like no stay there's always that risk that they can just leave <laughs> they could just leave I never thought about that that is psychotic it, it's funny and psychotic to me in the way that like that has never occurred to me as the weird do you know what I mean like yeah it never occurred to me that if you had had this fight with your mom at like a Panera somewhere you can't actually <laughs> storm out because they have where to you gonna go you? that's really funny that that's actually funnier to me is that you just have to sit there and fume <laughs> at each other <laughs> someone has to drive you home from basketball welcome Robbins. to my childhood uh <laughs> My so-called life. Um, yeah. Marina, close your ears. This podcast is secretly a therapy session for Marina, and we're slowly unpacking a lot of her childhood traumas. I don't know if you've noticed this over the course of like a season and a half now, but we're slowly unpacking Marina's childhood traumas. She doesn't know it yet. She doesn't know it yet. She thinks we're just doing a recap podcast, but just stay tuned for the epiphanies that she will have on this journey. Okay, Marina, I'm done. La, 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 la. What? Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> While we're here, I watched The Lion King again today and cried again. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy, Marina. Let's talk about it. Uh, all right. And then we're going to edit like 10 minutes of me talking about that and then come back to this. Yeah. So anyway, it was wild for me to think through the parabola that was Lily can just storm off. Yep. Um, Which has happened before. My sister once got mad at my mom at like a violin recital or whatever, and then she just walked away and we went home. And then I walked with her only because I was like, I was a child and I was like, I feel like Isabel will get into danger if she walks home alone. But you know what will keep her safe? If I as a child walk next to her. <laughs> it is kind of funny how children are like that. Yeah. I had that thought many times where I'm like, this is a pretty dangerous, but what's better than one child? Two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> God, they're so not going to murder one. I mean, excuse me, they're not going to murder two. One right. for sure. Two? No. That's too much no. of a problem. Too much of a problem. Um so then basically Lily storms off to Carrie because as we'll learn more in Carrie's plot, Lily's helping Carrie archive all of her fashion and um Charlotte calls to be like is Lily there and Carrie's basically, you know, she sends the thirst trap to Carrie and Carrie basically is like, you need to calm down, which I think we can all agree that Carrie should not be giving parenting advice. Agreed. It's it was confusing because on the one hand, I find it kind of sweet that Charlotte's kid goes to hang out at Carrie's. Like, yes. I find it sort of sweet that the children would at least see the other people in the group in a kind of familial way. We haven't really seen that at all. And I think that was kind of nice. It is a little puzzling because Carrie, to your point, is not the kind of person I would trust to like handle parental issues like this. 
So it is strange that she's the one that's like calming her down and de-escalating the situation. But that being said, again, I just at least like seeing some sort of relationship going on. Then we get to Lily's at home kind of going through the clothes that she like nabbed from Carrie's closet. And Charlotte starts uh, kind of will be kind of copied almost word for word in season two, but a measured scene about, well, different because season two is more about deriving your own pleasure from sex. Whereas this scene is more about like, it's cool that you're exploring your sexuality, but I should know about it. And I want you to be careful. Uh, Yeah. And I think this one is also a little bit more of an apology because she does sort of start with the kind of explaining the context of like, this is how I grew up. And I was like surprised that it's just happening this early, which didn't get to happen for me. Not that Lily cares, as we know, but um, it was nice. I like this scene. It's super measured and I think it accomplishes the mission more Mm -hmm. than the last one. And they don't try to undercut it with comedy until the very end. In a very cute way, because Charlotte's basically like, I thought we'd have more time to talk about these things. And Lily's like, well, I'm 15. And she's like, okay, well, you know, what happened with your daddy the other day? Like, do you want to talk about that? And she's like, did you find the cancer? And so they're, which is hilarious, you know, because they're trying to set up like she's grown up, but like not that much. Yeah, it was a sweet ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shame that we know like two months later, she's like, I'm going to go fuck this dude. (laughs) you know what in a weird way retrospectively it adds this sinister air to everything we're seeing because i know what's coming i mean this is part of the experiment right it's working backwards is now this has a sense of irony because i know that charlotte who does overreact now i know actually was justified because lily is about to turn into a sex maniac so maybe charlotte was onto something and that's charlotte's plot yeah totally fine i feel like with charlotte once again we've said like her plots are not particularly interesting to me, but I feel like I'm grading her on a curve compared to everything else. So I'm like, this was totally fine. Exactly. Then we get to Miranda, which is the opposite of that. <laughs> okay. God. Oh, my God. I don't know if I'm ready to do this one, but here we go. I don't know if I'm ready to do this one either. I'm dizzy. I'm lightheaded. <laughs> I'm throwing up. Mom, I'm scared. Mom, pick me up. Mom, come pick me up. Mom, I'm scared. We open the whole episode Mm -hmm. on the quote, living your truth is part of the revolution. And we see Che is delivering their stand-up life coach hybrid speech at an LGBTQIA plus two rally consisting of 12 people. Somewhere in the park. Somewhere in the park. I mean, I could be generous and say that they filmed this during COVID and it was probably hard to get a lot of extras, but I won't. Yeah. I've decided to actively just not be kind. (laughs) They pushed us too far. They pushed me too far on this episode. So Che is screaming, you know, you can't hide. You got to be out there. Mm. You got to be living your true self. The audience at intermittent moments at very they're not really waiting for Che to say anything profound and obviously surprise surprise Che not says nothing profound but they're not waiting for like the end of the thought it's like after every sort of half sentence of like you gotta be you don't let them do this 
you got to do this. You know, it's like they'll cheer and react and snap their fingers. And then there are these like sort of sounds that comes through like ADR of one person being like, yes, speak on it. I actually don't even think they say that. I think it's something that's like kind of even more off that I've never heard. You know, like, yes, tell them what it is or something like that. (laughs) It's like been clearly recorded in a studio that they've like layered in. Yeah. It's a nightmare. (laughs) It's a nightmare. And it and they never to be clear. I just want to be super like last time when we went to the comedy concert, we described it jokingly as a self help weird life coachy thing because that's what it turned into. But it was in the text a comedy concert. This has no definition. There is no, no. signage to tell you what is going on. Che never like says that it's like for pride or a certain holiday or whatever. We don't know what's happening. There is just this rally of 12 people and a stage and the speakers somewhere in the park, like in an intersection of like roads in the park, arranged in this little circle where everyone has signs that say vague ass things like speak the truth or like be yourself. (laughs) And everyone is dressed in rainbow. And Che is just like rallying the troops on weird, vague platitudes. I don't know what's happening. They never tell us what the rally is for. Here's my thing with this. Okay. Because you and I are sensible. We're like, insert one line that's just like, yeah, pride. And we would be like, cool, it's pride. Whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. I think what Michael Patrick King, when he was unfrozen, one of the flashcards just said protests on it. And in his mind, post George Floyd and all that, people are just getting together and just doing protests in the park (laughs) every other week. So that's why it has no (laughs) association like in this and just like that universe. There's just like protests in the park every Saturday. Yeah, that's yeah. I think it's a very astute like this is the year of protesting or to happen. I think it's a totally accurate read. That is what the note card said. And that is how he (laughs) interpreted it being woken up from his cryogenic sleep. Because you're exactly right that there is because this show can't get political enough to actually explain any real life issues. It just has a vague rally for nothing other than like being yourself. It's like a protest against nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um and Brady's there. Yeah. <laughs> Explicably, I forgot you're right. <laughs> there's there's two things about Brady being there that make me laugh. So first of all, as you know, Chase talking we see that miranda's in the audience you know they are clearly just like buying into the the vibe the hype the cult uh miranda turns she sees brady there with louisa the best part is why does she turn and see brady because Che's like i want to shout out all of you and hey i want to shout out all the allies and points as if all the allies <laughs> are in like a gated <laughs> pen to the side <laughs> Like, you can't cheer with everybody else. You have to be in your own ally-gated <laughs> community to the side, separate just from labeled us. the straights. Yeah, that is the point. It's like, Miranda, I think, like, turns and, like, claps in that direction. And I think people yes. around her also turn. Like, there's something yes. designated about that section that is, like, that is where the allies are. <laughs> it's such a Michael Patrick thing of being like, well, how's she going to know to turn and look at Brady? Yeah. They got to point to the straights section. <laughs> I just love the idea that you get to a pride rally yeah. and they're like LGBTQ two plus or straight. And you're like straight. And they're like, here's your brewski <laughs> into the gated pen. You go into the gated pen. 
<laughs> These just... two random ass teenagers who do nothing but fuck each other have randomly showed up to this thing in the park. So anyway, Che is virtuing about hiding is so five years ago, I think they say, which like, I don't even get that reference and I don't even want to unpack it. Is that a reference and... to the legalization of marriage? Was that 2019? 2018? I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give. Oh, no, no, wait. That was Obama. What, am I, what the fuck am I saying? That yes. was 10 years ago. What could they five years ago? What was this I don't know what happened five years ago. In I 2020. need to know what. It's 2017. What was happening? When does you need to calm down come out? Hiding <laughs> <laughs> was so five years ago before Taylor Swift. Shay yes. Diaz is, a, is actually a gay lore. And this rally is to be like, Taylor Swift needs to come out. Out. Hiding was that so be, five years ago. That would be so much more interesting <laughs> than anything else that ever happens with Che in this entire series. <laughs> Where are those plots? Sorry. For all the wokeness that they're trying to insert in the show yeah. and all the contemporary references, where are the fun conspiracy theories? Yeah. Like the Gaylor stuff. That would be such a great character trait to add to this dumpster fire of a character. It's like also they're like lightly a conspiracy theorist, but only have these like weird, harmless online conspiracy theories. Well, Miranda sees Brady. And she decides to bolt the fuck away. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Miranda, you could have just walked away and been like, I went to the bathroom. I don't know yeah. why I had to come out and be like, my son saw me here, not in the straight section. The walking away that she does is very funny. I mean, at least, at least Che does make the like Scooby Doo Looney Tunes joke or whatever because like the way Miranda runs away is funny like yes and is like over the top goofy hiding behind other people like and it also makes it crazier that she currently has whatever wig is going on like yes it's like half it's sliding curled. off it's yeah, like the it's top layer off. of her hair has been curled and then the bottom of it is still straight so she looks yeah. insane <laughs> yes and as you say Che basically puts their foot down. And is super serious and is like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a homewrecker. Yeah. Which you gotta respect. This is the only, the one and only time I think Che Diaz has ever said anything where I'm like, this is correct. And I respect it. And oh my God, does this person have principles? What? What? And also, why was the plot not Miranda and Steve have an open marriage? A thing I think everybody Boom. would have enjoyed seeing. Boom. If this conversation hadn't happened, I would have gone on thinking that MPK has never been told what an open relationship is, which again, as a gay man, I say, huh? But like, <laughs> I would have believed that more readily. And then they have this exact conversation and it's like, no, no. So this was on the table and you just decided that this is where you wanted to go. Okay. I also got to say good. for Miranda... Like, I don't know if it's this is a point about Cynthia Nixon's performance necessarily, but there's something about Miranda that I find genuinely off-putting <laughs> in that, like, all of her lines, I think she says with, like, a weird smile on her face, even when she's saying something, like, horrible or is upset or something, she kind of has this weird, like, frozen smile of, like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. 
of course I'm not in an open marriage. What? And it gives her this veneer of like crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No and it makes about. this whole scene feel very manic because Che is sitting there being like, what the hell do you mean you're married? And Miranda going, I just didn't, I didn't like to, you know. It <laughs> doesn't come up. I just, oh, we were having so much fun. It feels manic. It feels very unsettling. It does. I feel like, again, she keeps getting the direction that is you're in a rom-com and you're just like, I feel like I'm watching someone unravel. Yeah. But the show doesn't believe that they are unraveling. And so the gaslighting begins. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to your rally where you're like, wake (laughs) up, sheeple. This show is gaslighting you. This woman's unraveling, even though they tell you that she's not. And I'm sitting there being like, yes, speak your truth. I don't mean to humble brag, but I would kill at a rally. Let's be frank. You would kill at a rally. I've seen that. I've seen your shows. (laughs) I'm not even like, am I that good a comedian? Like we could debate what I am good at, though, is saying things loud, proud and clear and -hmm. getting people to just go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a pretty powerful thing. Talent, I gotta say. I like how you put that. You're like, it doesn't even make sense. It's fine. I just get people to go, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in. <laughs> yes. Where do I sign? Where do I get my justice for Steve Pitchfork? <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, it's a powerful ability, and we're, we're thankful that you only use it for good. So far. Anyway, we get to that joint scene with Charlotte that I spoke about earlier with all three of the gals. This scene is really funny, though to go back to it because it opens with Miranda being like, well, that's it. I'm getting divorced from Steve. (laughs) And then Charlotte's like, yeah, you've got problems. My daughter almost saw my husband's penis. I don't, again, the writers don't know how to go from A to B to C, but it makes the characters look so insensitive in such a funny way. It's so wild too, because Miranda comes out and is like, I'm getting divorced from Steve. And Carrie and Charlotte just kind of like sigh and shrug. And then Miranda attempts to go in on Charlotte. Like, I know you're disappointed in me. I know you're mad. And then Charlotte's like, I'm not throwing shade. It's fine. I think it would have been belabored for them to fight. I think it is an interesting choice for them to just kind of roll over and be like, whatever you want, Miranda, which is what everyone's doing this episode. But clearly they want to just keep moving forward and marching forward. But there is something kind of surprising or it reads to me as very insincere of like knowing that Carrie and Charlotte are her best friends in the world and know Steve for such a long time. It reads as very odd to me the way that they kind of shrug and don't really want to talk about it i think it's just that all the scenes with miranda are the reverse of what we were expecting but not in a well executed way so basically miranda and carrie kind of walk and talk after that lunch and um carrie talks about her problems which we'll get to later but uh it was kind of funny seeing them in chelsea market to be honest just a weird side note it's weird to announce your divorce at Chelsea Market. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird vibe. You're like, you couldn't pick a more quiet restaurant. You have to be like next to the lobster house being like, anyway, I'm divorcing my sad sack of a husband. Right. You still blow Harry. It's like, man, this is the Crab Shack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The lobster you... house at Chelsea Market. 
How can you even hear each other? It's so loud in there. Yeah, exactly. This is this is not let's sit together and talk about my failing marriage and you and your husband's penis. Like it's very strange. Very strange, very strange. choice, but yeah. Anyway. So um Miranda and Carrie are chatting through the rest of Chelsea Market and um they go to this like brownies shop which will have an apt name for carrie's plot and um carrie's like why don't you get some brownies for steve you know to help like soften the blow and miranda again as we said in another deluded choice is like oh we both know the relationship is dead in the water um like he's got to be seeing this coming from a mile away then the scene kind of gets this weird part for me where Miranda's like, I'd rather be alone than be with Steve, which I also think is just kind of mean. And again, makes me think like, why could the open marriage not work? Yeah. And then Carrie ends the scene very aptly on, do you know how much Che wants you? Mm -hmm. Which makes us all think, especially in line with what Mm -hmm. we heard last episode, that we're leading to this fuck person twist. Yes. That Che is going to just like leave them out on the street. I completely agree. This last line from Carrie, I like sat up on my couch. Like I was like, oh my God, like someone actually says it. And then Miranda, what Miranda kind of like motions as if she's about to respond. And then the scene ends. Yeah. And I would have loved to hear the rest of that scene because like Carrie said the thing that is actually so important and we've been dying for someone to say. And to your point, feels like it's going to set up the twist. I don't even want to call it a twist. The kind of conclusion that we we know in quotes is coming I, I like lightning struck i was like someone has finally said it and then also i just want to i thank you for reminding me about the line of i would rather be alone than be with steve if i mean if that's what's happening in your marriage where you're like i'm actually not excited to see this person when i be alone that is a good sign that something's wrong whatever whatever however is that honest is that really an honest assessment of the situation because you're actually not choosing to be alone you're choosing to be with che you know yes. what I mean? Yes. I feel it's a misstep that they make here is that we as the audience are like, she's clearly leaving Steve for Che. Yeah. And they try to defend in this scene, like, no, no, no. Like, it's not about Che, but it is about Che. Yeah. Because you were happy to continue your affair and stay with Steve. Mm-hmm. You're literally only doing it because Che was like, I don't fuck with that. Yeah, precisely. Which makes it all the more gross. Yes. It makes everything feel much more icky and dishonest and mean. Just cruel. And then we get what is cruel for us as the viewer, which is that Miranda runs to find Che at the podcasting building and is like, I'm going to leave my husband. Che's like, sure. She's like, no, I really am. But I need to know that like you love me. And Che's like, fuck it, I'm in love with you, which is wild, makes no sense, and I don't believe it. Nope. And then Che follows it up with, I can't give you anything traditional, which is confusing. Mm -hmm. But Miranda doesn't care. She feels like she's gotten the, like, full endorsement that they are going to be together and that, like, you know, she's going to fall gently into Che's arms. Yeah. And she says... Well, I don't want traditional. Like, this is what I want. Like, she's so, again, the manic smile is back. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, but, but, but I want this. I don't know. And I, again, 
I just go back to thank you for reminding me about the line of the like, I'd rather be alone than with it. It's like she's here to say, I'm about to blow it up. Do I have a, a you know, a lifeboat here? Are you going to be yeah. around when I blow up my marriage? Which is not the same thing as what she's making it out to be to carry. Yeah. It's shitty. And again, like, I just feel like there is something interesting here about like somebody being left flat on their ass mm-hmm. um, for chasing this thing and then having to deal with the ramifications of that and the ramifications yeah. of what that means for their sexuality. That could be super interesting. That just falls like a flat fart. Yeah. I know we're not going to get, and that makes me mad. Like now that I've seen, I was already going to be mad. <laughs> watching Miranda go to Che and watching this all but now I'm sort of even more livid because I see the path not taken you know what I mean like yeah I think if I was watching this in order like the first time (laughs) I think I would have still had a glimmer of hope that okay well at least we're setting this up for Che to humiliate Miranda and leave her out to dry and then Miranda's gonna have to pick up the pieces and then that's where we're gonna leave her at the end of the season and you know, this isn't pleasant to watch and it feels very out of character, but you know what? At least I see that they're clumsily trying to get to that and that's where we're going. I'm mad. I'm furious. Well, Miranda goes to break up with Steve. Mm -hmm. This scene, when I watched it the first time, I was like, I mean, it's good. I think that Steve really turns the performance here, or I should Mm -hmm. say the actor really makes like a meal out of Mm -hmm. this. I mean, I'll get through it, but especially towards the end when he makes the turn of like, I'm too tired to keep rallying for us. Mm -hmm. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So basically, you know, the scene starts, there's a a horrific interaction about the fucking hearing Hearing aids where she's like, Steve, could you put the other one in? And he's like, Oh, are you could just real real you could just re- scream into this ear and she's like no i need you to hear in both ears and then he's like well it's in the couch here somewhere and i'm like who's just losing the hearing aid in the couch that doesn't make any sense then he pulls it out and he's like all right i'm all ready and they're trying to set him up i feel like to be kind of rude you know what i mean like sort of doesn't really want to talk to her you know he's kind of like yeah whatever the game's on i don't buy it it's kind of too late to convince me that Steve is rude and uncaring. So like yeah. that interaction just doesn't land for me. Especially in the way that she, you know, she gets very serious and he's like, Oh, you're getting serious with me. Like something's gotta be wrong. And then she like gets more serious. And then he's like, what are we getting divorced? And she's like, basically, yeah. And he's like, Whoa. Okay. Like, you know, I think like he just finds a way in this terrible text to make it even more empathetic Mm. to the fact that he is so blindsided by this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Full credit to, to, to him as, as the actor, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically Miranda's like, I'm not happy. I want more. They get into this exchange about, like, him saying, like, you know, I never was good enough for you. This is always about whether I'm enough for you. You know, we have this roller coaster about, like, I'm enough, then I'm not enough, then I'm a little bit enough, then I'm a little bit not enough. And he says, but I've always been there, which is just such a crushing line. 
she's like, I want those ups and downs. Like that's what's life about. And he kind of admits like, you know, the last three years I finally got you to calm down and just like accept that we were a unit together. And those were like the best years. And then what's so heartbreaking is first of all, the fact that she tried to get through this scene and not admit that she was seeing someone else. Cause he like kind of brings it up. Cause he says like, I don't know what really is out there for you that you think you're going to find besides yeah. me. And then she's like, well, I met someone. Yeah. I don't think she's really made a case for why divorce actually makes the most sense out of nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like without trying anything, without talking about it, the fact that they've been married for so long and she doesn't feel like he's owed. I'm sorry. Like you owe your partner an explanation on these things, not to just come out and be like, I'm seeing someone else. And so you're not enough, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think what upsets me most about this whole thing is that the writers think that they have crafted a beautiful scene. Yeah. And on paper they have, but, but the, the backing is not there. Yeah. I feel like when I watched it the first time, I was like, well, we're building somewhere. So this is a worthy step. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I know now, this scene thinks like all things in this show, thinks it's saying something when really it's just empty. I, I think this is another example of they think it is saying something and it's, it's maybe not even just that it's empty, but it like it is saying something, but not what they think. It's saying something much yeah. more, more mean spirited than they think and much more cruel and makes Miranda look really horrible. I know that there's yeah. no like delicate way to break up with someone, to divorce someone like obviously. And that's not what we're saying is that like she has to stay with him to be clear. It's like, the way that she's gone about this has been like as mean as possible yeah, and as impulsive and selfish as possible. And to be expected to celebrate it in any way, I think is just shocking. We end on one of the most unhinged turns ever where Miranda's just like screaming manically in the backseat of a car being like, I did it. I told him everything and he was totally cool about it. And I'm going to go run to see Che in Cleveland because in the other scene, Che said, I'm going to go see a comedy gig in Cleveland. And so the best part is Miranda's like, I'm going to surprise them at their show in Cleveland. I'm in a rom-com, Carrie. And you're like, I am not on board in the slightest. And I would like a show of hands Hmm. of anyone who was on board with this. Yeah. Other than the writers. How, how could anyone in that writer's room have done this, written this, filmed this, and been like, people will root for this. Yes, there'll be some haters, but people are going to be happy when they see how happy she is. That is so astonishing to me that any, that they thought anyone would think that. I'm in a rom-com, Carrie, I think is really the horror movie line (laughs) of this whole fiasco i think someone needs to do an edit of like miranda scenes thus far with che and put horror strings like threatening music (laughs) when she's like cackling making the negroni when she's like cackling being like of course i didn't say that i was in an open marriage what and then like put music put the soundtrack from the joker 
like <laughs> in the background, the like sad cello music, whatever, that got an Oscar, put that shit in, and then lead up to this. I'm in a rom-com, Carrie, because it is a horror movie. It's terrifying. And I feel crazy. It fa- Marina, the show makes me crazy. The show makes me feel so fucking crazy. I did, and it's Miranda again. She's the yeah. person who I am like, I'm trying to go to bed at night and I'm scared glaring at the ceiling thinking about this it's because miranda has driven me crazy and will not let me rest oh it's so funny to think like most people identify with miranda pre this atrocity obviously and it's just hilarious to me that the writer's team and michael patrick king were like let's take that character and then just make it the opposite so that everyone's just like who is this what's happening (laughs) I'm scared. I've wet myself. I don't know, but I don't like it. And I don't like this person. You know what it is? It's a secret. Okay. So Sarah Jessica Parker offed Kim Cattrall as Samantha. Okay. Okay. She got her out of there. That's been a long running, you know, secret envy there because while Carrie is the main character, Samantha is like the crowd favorite, you know, miscongeniality, if you will. So, she got her out, okay? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, no one likes Charlotte. We're covered there. <laughs> I got to take Miranda out. <laughs> and how I'm going to take her out is that I'm going character to... Character assassination. Character assassinate her. I'm going to just shoot all these scenes, and then in the edit, we'll ruin it. <laughs> so that Cynthia Nixon doesn't realize, like, what we've done. She's yeah. too busy running for governor. She won't notice. Right. She doesn't really know what's going on. I think you're exactly right. I think that has to be it because it's like, again, it's like someone has to be behind the scenes purposely making this person as villainous as possible. And you've nailed it. It's SJP coming after the second, you know, this is Game of Thrones happening. She's like, this person's a threat. (laughs) Yep. And I got to take her out. It's the scene at the end of The Godfather when he goes to the baptism, but he's already like executed all the hits that are like happening while he's at the baptism. It's that. It's just all the other main characters. (laughs) And then like Charlotte's like the last one left. Charlotte's like the Fredo, like last one left standing. Cause like, whatever. Yeah. He's like, this one won't be a problem. (laughs) And then surprise twist. Charlotte ends up being the best character of this thing. That's why in season three, like, Charlotte's just going to be put on, like, a nine-month cruise, and we're only going to get, like, one scene of her every episode at a time. Oh, yeah. She's going to get destroyed. I I think if her character gets destroyed or chipped off on a bus or whatever the hell happens, we'll know. Like, that'll be the confirmation for me that SJP is pulling the strings, because that- Absolutely. That is, that, yeah. That's the her and that one. tight, tight bun are just pulling the strings. She's She's up to no good. She's up to no good. Nothing she looks... good led to this scene of I'm in a rom-com, Carrie. This is... No. And that scene of her, she's calling Carrie, and Carrie just sort of like laughs and smiles and is like, all right, whoever you are, and hangs up, now <laughs> feels so much more sinister than I know what's going on behind the scenes. That is the a casualty of watching this backwards, is when we get to that show, the original show, Miranda has been completely destroyed for me. The way that I cannot wait. I'm going to lose my shit. I cannot wait for you to see your first good Miranda episode and be like, what happened? (laughs) What happened? And I'm going to go Sarah, (laughs) Jessica, Parker. 
and they're like friends in real life. At least Kim Cattrall wasn't really her friend, so we learned later. What they weren't really even friends. I'm like, Cynthia Nixon, that's your friend. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, but you Can't know Ashanti voted for Cuomo. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand percent. That girl loves the establishment. Are you kidding? Please. Absolutely. Yeah. She's like, we have to put Cynthia on this show so that we can absolutely run her through the gutter so she can't be governor. Yeah. Get her out of the political race. Get her out of there. Cuomo, make it happen. A nightmare. A nightmare. And that's this horrible plot. (sighs) We made it. Then we get to go. Now we get to go to Carrie's dumb shit. I know, I'm already in a bad mood. Dumb, useless plot. I'm already upset. I'm mad. We're going to do Carrie's plot at mad as hell. <laughs> mad as hell. It's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> so God. This show makes me mad like nothing else I've ever seen before. I was not prepared when you invited me to do a recap podcast event just like that. I was like, haha, it'll be hate watching. I was not prepared for what was about to happen to me. I've never been angry like this in my life at any piece of media. It's astonishing. (laughs) It's astonishing. Again, I'll just say it again. At least you aren't a goddamn fan of the show. I, I... I don't know how you guys didn't actually pick up pitchforks and torches. And here's my thing. A lot of people, I tell them about this podcast and they give me the whole, huh? Why are you doing it like that? Why are you starting it backwards? And I say, because I'm here to prove a point. (laughs) I'm here to prove the point that, and just like that, is a bad show. And it's not the fans. Mm-hmm. It's because they've been sitting cozy on that chair being like, well, it's the fans. The fans are just upset because we changed the characters. No, it's a bad television show <laughs> for many different ways. Episode to episode, it is a badly executed television show. Mm-hmm. And that's what this podcast has proved yeah. because you have brain, <laughs> you able to make critical thinking. Yeah. You have interpreted the show and you've gotten to the same rabid intensity and you have not, I would like to remind the people at home, I'm at my rally now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Living your truth is part of the revolution, okay? <laughs> I would like to remind the people at home, Emily has not seen a single entire episode of Sex and the City, the original show, okay? Not one. Not one. What is she doing here? She's not hiding. She's speaking her truth. And she's saying this show is God awful. Yeah. There it is. Speak on it. Speak on your truth. Tell them. Yeah. Oh, my God. It literally. Round of applause. Thank you so much for stating the thesis of this show. This is exactly thesis. what's happening. And it's it's like. It's not about just telling other people how bad this show is. You are correct in that this the, this podcast is about telling Michael Patrick King that and all the other writers in his ivory tower <laughs> that he was wrong. You sat there and you said, ooh, it's the fans. Ooh, it, nope. nope. I got a fresh bitch right here <laughs> who will tell you to Hello. your goddamn face. Hi. To your goddamn face. Is this bad? 
It's bad. That's <laughs> such bad TV. <laughs> and it I makes me mad. The quote on the book jacket is it's anti-television. You coined that. Yeah. Emily did that. I did. Not a non-fan. A non-fan. Came in clean. Non-fan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right, everyone. Son of a bitch. We're taking a five-minute breather. And when we come back, we're going to do a scary fucking plot. We're going to take a Stanley Cup break. Look how mad she is. Sipping on her zipping up. She's so mad. You can't sip on a straw angrily. Just to be so... You can't. You can't. You can't. I'm trying for the past like two minutes and I can't do it. <laughs> Nothing is less threatening than drinking from a straw. You can't make your mouth into a butthole shape while you're upset. I know Trump does it all the time, but like a normal person can't do that. I can't. I can't. I've been try- I'm crying. Oh my god, tears. I'm crying. That's a tear. I like trying to drink out of this cup for the past two minutes. I can't do it. Okay. I did it. <laughs> god. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just such a funny thing to do after your rally is to be like, speak the truth. <laughs> straw. That is the best bit of all time. Like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) For our viewers at home, I was trying to get the straw in my mouth, but I kept missing it on purpose. It's a comedic (sighs) bit. George Carlin invented it. George Carlin. (laughs) Our founding father. (laughs) Founding father. (sighs) Okay. We're going (laughs) to need some air. (laughs) I need some air. I need some... (laughs) I need Hang some on. Prozac. I need pills. <laughs> I, need, I, need al- I need. I need anything, everything. I need hard drugs. I need. Oh my God. I can't believe we went through all this pain and then we're about to turn into, again, the dumbest storyline. Mad as hell. Mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Okay. <sighs> we start with Carrie at home. She is organizing her clothing archiving all her fashion Seema comes over for sushi and then we just get a uh, uh you coined it once as a woman 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 vagina moment which is that carrie's like if you think this fashion's good wait till you see this and she pulls out the gorgeous versace dress that's featured in uh the last season in a big moment of sex in the city um when she's in paris it is an exquisite dress, to be fair, but it does feel like, and now, fan service. Mm-hmm. Seema um, starts to open a cigarette, and Carrie's like, no smoking, and Seema's like, well, I feel like I just had sex looking at that dress, and I'll take it. And um, Carrie's like, no, um, I smoked once in here, and then everything smelled like smoke, so now I go outside with a headscarf and a jacket and gloves so that I don't smell like smoking and it won't make me smoke more, Um, which is just a lot of clunky setup for a joke later that is fun. Was was the setup worth it? Debatable. Debatable. 
Then while this is all happening, we find out that Carrie has a new neighbor, Lisette. Our one and only. Your favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's favorite podcast fan. (laughs) And she's (laughs) on the stoop because apparently young people only hang out on the stoop now, which is a lie. We hang out indoors on our phone, but whatever. Yeah, uh, please. This is such a specifically gen x thing to do is to sit outside on the stoop it's like you know we don't have we have more things than books now yeah so they're on the stoop and they're scream laughing all night and there's this one woman who has a particularly loud laugh voice and um carrie can't fall asleep so she calls bobby lee and his girlfriend smoke this starts on a cute moment where Carrie's like, you're the only person I know who would be awake at 2.30 a.m., which is applicable to his character. Yeah. Um, and then she says, is there a cool way to say, shut the fuck up as the older woman in the apartment? And he basically is like, no, we one time had this woman yell at us and we called her the Wicked Witch of the West Side. And uh, you don't want to do that unless you want me to come and bring my gun. And there's a very cute interaction there where Smoke's like, you better not have a gun. And he's like, no, I don't. I'll bring it tomorrow. I think this is the one good scene they give Bobby Lee in this entire show. I was just going to say, I was going to be like, I think this is the only positive interaction I've seen. Which again, graded on a curve. Normally this would just be like, (laughs) whatever. Blink and you miss it moment. But here I'm like, stunning. Stunning. (laughs) Acting. Emmy. Emmy. Golden Globe worthy. EGOT. Um, so Carrie can't sleep, so she ends up yelling at them, and it's clear that she's harshed the vibe. I'd like to remind everyone that in this episode, Miranda asks for a divorce. Okay. (laughs) Carrie's at home, and she is in her home clothes, wearing a green face mask. Get it? It's an allusion to being a witch which is a theme in this episode because she's an old woman and therefore a witch. Do you understand the artistry, Emily? No. Point to the one more time. (laughs) Point to the artistry on the screen. You did it. Yay. Dora, Dora, Dora. The Explorer. That's what Michael Patrick King needs getting through what the fuck it means to be fucking woke and all these fucking terms. Yeah, he's Dora the Explorer Woke Edition. Woke Edition. This is a word you can't say anymore. Michael. God. Michael? Um, so Carrie's in her green face mask and Lisette knocks on the door and basically apologizes for being super loud. And Carrie's like, that's fine. And Carrie's trying to be all cool but she looks dumb with her face mask. So then when Lisette leaves, Carrie's like, oh, in the mirror being like, I look stupid. Good bit. Good bit. Lisette also tries to apologize for the sound and Carrie's trying desperately to be cool. So she keeps being like, yeah, well, I was up anyway. I was writing. I'm a writer. I don't oh, yeah. have any. It's like such a strange desperation thing of like yeah well i was up anyway i'm a writer that like i don't know is this supposed someone must have found this funny and enjoyable but it was not i again i think there is room here for a plot of like 
Carrie realizing she's like the older one. Yeah, and she's like not the cool one anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, which I get, but um, I think when you are and I took hard drugs off of the fumes of just this television show. <laughs> And I was like, well, Lisette is clearly young Carrie. And this is the episode that I was referencing because this episode, Mm. they make it pretty painfully clear that she's the young Carrie. And you were like, no, she's the fan base. Um, That makes this whole plot line even dumber because when it ends with Lisette being like, you know what? (laughs) You are pretty cool. I'm just like, you think we're just sheeple, don't you? Insulting. Insulting. So I think it's a... In base, it's an okay plot line of like, are old women cool? Yeah, they are, but I don't care. But it's, yeah, it's like so lackluster that it just pisses me off. I think you're right that there was a good idea in here somewhere, but. I'm also like, you can't introduce a new character three episodes to the end of the first season. Yeah, if this was a one-off, that'd be something, but we know Lizette is going to keep coming back, so I... I'm not particularly moved by this person. Yeah. Um, so that scene ends. Then we get the walk and talk with Miranda and Carrie when Miranda kind of talks further about her decision to divorce Steve and all that. The whole scene takes place at Fat Witch Brownies or Baked Goods or whatever that store is called, which I've passed in Chelsea Market because, mm-hmm. again, the witch visual. Do you get Fat it? witch. Carrie's like, oh, me. I identify. And then she's like, I'll buy some fat witch blondies. That's me exactly for Lisette so she can know what I am. Jesus Christ. I'm glad at least Carrie was the one in that scene that initiated asking Miranda, like, about Steve again. Because it's just so crazy that if if my friend had announced that she's divorcing her husband of 10 years and then I take her to a brownie store to be like, I'll get these for my, my neighbor. So she thinks I'm cool. I would just feel really dumb. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. This plot is like, it probably would be fine. I don't even know what plot you would put else in this episode that rivals the weight of the divorce thing, but just something else. It it is just like so silly that she's like, anyway, back to my crisis. Anyway, am I cool? No. <sighs> Carrie goes to give Lisette the chocolates, the fat witch brownies or blondies, whatever. And Lisette's boyfriend answers the door in just a towel. And to, to get to the point, they have a kerfuffle. She drops the brownies. He bends down. When he bends down, the towel falls down. He also has a huge penis that we see. And that's it. A <laughs> couple of things about the the scene... Because Lizette is her downstairs neighbor. It is kind of strange that the set that they're using for this doesn't even make Lizette's apartment look like an apartment. It's clearly like the living room of whatever house they're filming in. Because it's a double door entrance. Yeah. Opening straight into the apartment. Which is just not how any front door works. Right? Incredibly strange. Yeah. Another Michael Patrick King hates young people moment to call out is Mm -hmm. she's like, anyway, I got these brownies for Lisette. And he's like, oh, we don't eat sugar. Yeah, it's a good catch. And she's like, of course you don't. And I'm like, yeah, another rude young person and their weird young habits. And then his dick flops out. Okay. 
Then uh, Carrie's kept up another night due to loud discotheque thumping music. And she says, that's it. And she puts on her long black witchy robe. (gasps) She's a witch. She's a witch. Burn her. Anyway. 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 She walks right into this person's house. Carrie bursts right into this person's house and then realizes that um, Lisette is fast asleep on the couch. So she just turns down the music and then goes through her mail to figure out who she is and figures out that she's a hot jewelry designer and uh, that she's from California. <laughs> um. And she's relaying all of this to Seema the next day while she's wearing her smoking garb, which we had all that elaborate set up to. And so she's looking like a crazy old lady. And then Lisette comes out in a bra, underwear, and a see-through robe and is like, hey, girly, and keeps walking down the street. And Carrie's Carrie's like, well, guess I suck. Yeah, so much set up for this weird outfit. That we I, we're never going to see or hear from again. I'm never going to hear about the smoking ritual ever again. This was like all for this one-off joke. I just feel like this joke could have landed better if like Carrie was wearing a classic Carrie ridiculous outfit, and then Lisette was wearing basically the same outfit but like younger and edgier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because then it would have been like more driving home the point of like, well, now I feel dumb. Whereas, like, this is just, like, so much work, and I've never seen Carrie in an outfit like this, and I never will see Carrie again in an outfit like this, so it's just a lot of work for no... It's just very forced. But then Carrie eavesdrops on Lisette and the hot guy having a fight. They said this line that I didn't hear the first time, but because you brought up the whole New York safety plot, running plot that's been in this whole show... There's a great line where Lisette's like, get the fuck out. And he's like, I will. And then she's like, or I'll call the cops. And he goes, good luck. They don't come around anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What? 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 I'm sorry. Is it NYPD like the fifth largest army in the world? Yeah. (laughs) the the thing about the police isn't that they don't come it's that they don't do anything and that has always been the case and it's just funny that it comes from this character halfway off the screen (laughs) yeah it's like i don't know what subliminal messaging you're trying to pass through the tv to get to me like i don't know what the message is but i mean i heard it and i'm still confused so It it does exactly feel like weird subliminal trying to seep in this messaging about like oh the police or some some weird joke about that like they suck we need more (laughs) we just need more i added um i made my one word for this one out of towner because he says when she yells at him being like you are a liar you've slept with like half of new york and he's like that's not true and she's like well you've slept with half the girls that i know and he says something like you're acting like such an out of towner and I just thought that's such a funny, stupid ass thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Like for a show and for a group of writers that take such pride in being New Yorkers and take such pride in having a show that is like New York is the fifth character in their friend group. I've never heard anyone call anyone out of towner. Yeah. And then also use that as an insult 
for someone else in an argument about sleeping with other women. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a person making a snarky comment at someone's like not knowing their bagel order fast enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, wow, it's tourists. It's so insane for someone to be like, you've slept with half my friends. And your response to be like, you're acting like an out-of-towner. <laughs> I'm thinking about it still, and I just want it to be known. And I'm going to be thinking about it tonight. What did he mean by that? What do the writers mean by that? What What did this line mean? What are your, what are your thoughts? What is going on here? What does that mean? Listen. If the show is trying to imply that New York is all about fucking each other and open relationships, then don't even come at me because what happened with Miranda? That's all I'll say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There it is. And then just the way that Lisette's like, OMG, I'm so embarrassed. Anyway, you're totally so cool. Yeah. You're right. I MPK. love you, Sarah. That's exactly Jessica. what the fans were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Sarah. Sarah, you'll always be cool to me, Sarah. Um, And then we end on Carrie being cool, wearing her Versace dress and eating Jiffy Pop in the window. Uh, And then we end on, and just like that, I realize that there are some things that should never be put into storage. Does she mean herself? Hey! Put an expiration date on that bitch. Uh, yeah, you're like, actually, yes, there should you should be put into storage. It should be thrown away. You've expired. So, Emily, mm. we end this podcast as we always end this podcast. Mm. What was your low point? What was your get them? The whole episode? That's mine. I know. I mean, this is such a, a nightmare of an episode. It's hard to pick one, but I, it's just got to be um, I'm in a rom-com, Carrie. That whole yeah. taxi scene. That sums it up. Yeah. What was your release to the Kraken? My my good. Um, You're good. <laughs> once again, Charlotte and Harry acting like a normal couple, which I think has been my release <laughs> to the Kraken on other episodes too. But it's just like them being a couple. <laughs> them being human beings. That scene of her like flirting with the ring or whatever and just being people. Yeah. Thank you. For me, it's the fact that we saw two prosthetic dongs. That's good. I didn't realize the second one was prosthetic. I was like, that's, no, I that's... think it's real. No, yeah. That's a, that's a, little, a full frontal. A little bit too much bush on that one for that to be real yeah. or for it to be fake. That's not store bought. Nope. You can't, you can't capture that magic in the store. <laughs> if I was. A more troubled person, I would go back and screenshot the hairy penis and then screenshot this penis just to show how comically large the hairy penis is. If I were a more troubled person. (laughs) I mean, I already did it, but, you know, I'm trying to cover. I'm trying to save face. Oh, is that why my phone just buzzed? It's because you've just sent me a text that I'm not going to be happy about. Yeah. To the work phone, too. Damn it. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) next episode so marina's gotten me fired (laughs) (laughs) well this has been and just like that season one episode eight we tried to get you uh in trouble with hr we hope that that works out in the case that it doesn't you can still follow like subscribe be a fan respond to the polls and the questions and fart and liberate that gut and let us know what you're thinking and 
you know, we've only got two episodes of the season left and then we're on to the movies. Yay. So we can see the light, Emily. We can see the light. It's crazy that widely panned Sex and the City 2 is my saving grace right now. It's going to be magical. All right. Bye-bye.